Have you ever wanted to connect with someone, but you stopped yourself? Excuses to Connect is a podcast about actively creating the conditions that make meaningful connections easier. In other words, you can make excuses to connect. Join me, Richard Lee Tai, as I have conversations with experts, friends, and strangers on their struggles and successes when it comes to human connections. As a listener, I hope that you can take these insights and find excuses to connect with more people. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life. Welcome to episode 31 of the Excuses to Connect podcast. I mentioned this last week already, but I wanted to put another plug about my TEDx talk. It's been an over two-year journey from the time I was selected as a speaker to my talk finally being published on the TEDx YouTube channel. It's titled, How to Find Excuses to Connect. And it was actually the catalyst for starting my Excuses to Connect business, which includes this podcast, along with connection coaching, workshops, and selling merch. I'd love to hear what you think about the talk if you watch it. On to today's podcast guest, I'm joined by Mohsen Youssef, or as he prefers to be called, the Ignited Flame. That's because he found his flame, which is his passion and love for life and people. He's currently running the 3000 Flames Project, which is about meeting as many people as possible in a span of a year and having those meaningful interactions, whether it's in the elevator, grocery store, or across the world through virtual platforms. In this episode, he shares a story of being an ex-Amazon manager to reconnecting with himself and his emotions at a men's retreat. Oh, and also how he once treated a bottle of baby lotion for a booster juice at an airport. I hope you enjoy this inspiring conversation. This is Igniting Your Inner Flame with Mohsen Yusuf. Well, today I'm joined with Mo, aka the Ignited Flame. So welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Let's go. I am pumped up and in honor to be here with you in this space and with your listeners as well. Awesome. So I'd love to start off by asking why you call yourself the Ignited Flame, if you could share with listeners. Yeah, heck yeah to that. I will definitely share. And as we do that, I want to kind of orientate everyone in a sense right now, as I'm speaking to you and to everyone here, I have a candle lit with passion. It's literally called Passion Fruit Pineapple. I am sipping a tea and I'm standing up speaking as I talk to you. And the reason why I call myself the Ignited Flame is very recently I found my flame, my passion, my love for mm-hmm. life and people. And I want to share that with others because we all have a flame to ignite within ourselves every day. And I share that with passion, that word. So mm-hmm. back to you. Awesome. And related to this flames aspect, I know you're doing a project right now called 3000 Flames, where you're trying to experience these 3000 authentic and meaningful interactions with people in a year. So what's the inspiration behind that? Thank you for that question. And you're going to notice throughout this podcast and listeners as well, too, that I play around with names a lot and identities. I love that aspect of role playing and becoming an identity. Mm -hmm. So you're going to hear a lot of that. So this 3000 Flames project really, to me, is about meeting as many people as possible in a span of a year, authentically, meaningfully, from myself first, expressing authentically. And leading that type of interaction with anybody I see, whether it's in the elevator, grocery store, virtually across the world in the US, Mm -hmm. Miami, whatnot, or 
even at a car dealership. I had a service call appointment. Before I even booked that call on the phone, I had one of the most engaging, genuine conversation. It's literally everywhere. Anywhere I go, mm-hmm. I bring about genuine interaction in those moments. Wow. I know you just spent the past week in Vancouver, which is a city in Canada, and you met over 80 strangers. So I wonder if you had any sh- stories to share from that experience. Richard, I love your questions, man. So well-rounded and the way you researched the, the Vancouver piece is definitely a highlight I want to talk about. What I want to talk about in terms of this one, I chose to be at a hostel. Mm-hmm. Have you ever been in a hostel before, by the way? I have, actually. When I was in my first year of university, I had, we went on a trip to Toronto, so a group of students, and we stayed uh-huh. in a hostel, so it was a good time. <laughs> How many days were you in the hostel? What was your experience? What was the takeaway for you? Oh, we were there for a week. What I really enjoyed is just the community aspect of it. Before that, I was so used to, well, I had been living at home, like with my parents. So I've never really lived in that sort of communal space. I remember the first night we were there, they had some sort of like karaoke or like DJ sort of party on the rooftop. So (laughs) I'm like, Wow. wow, this is fun. And so we got to meet strangers and have a good time with them dude that sounds glorious for a first time hostel experience yeah i want to share with you when i went to vancouver i went with one i went with the intention of one week i booked a very cheap flight and it was something very spontaneous again part of the ignited flame character identity and experience and when i went there i hadn't booked any accommodations because the intention was i wanted to meet as many people as possible that are cool, inspiring, and are down to connect. Mm -hmm. And when I stepped into the airport, within a span of 30 minutes to an hour, the idea of a hostel manifested. And within that span of 30 minutes to an hour, I I had already talked to 10 people, two people on the plane, Mm -hmm. and eight other strangers that were around like washrooms or walking towards like the exit screening area. I was asking them, hey, y'all, I haven't booked my accommodation. I'm from Toronto. Are you a local here? Do you know anyone? Where would you recommend I stay? And mm-hmm. that was the conversation starter. Mm-hmm. Wow. And yeah, yeah. And within, and this is like a two to three minute story. Within a span of the next two hours, I had already met 15, 20 people just embarking through my journey downtown to a super cool hostel in Vancouver. For the listeners and yourself, this one is called Same Sun Vancouver Hostel. Great breakfast there. And it's a place that hosted roughly like 120 to 150 hot folks from around the world, folks from France, UK, Germany. And the reason why I met 80 people is because I chose selectively to be in places where people wanted to connect already. They were already in the mindset of, I am going to find excuses to connect. So just putting that in there. Awesome. And I know next week, or soon you're going to be going to Ottawa as well. So what's your intention with going there? I realized recently that with going to Vancouver and really enjoying that, that there's so much of Canada I have not discovered. And I'm born in Canada and I live in Canada, yet I have not been to so many cities, Calgary being one of them. And I believe that's your home base, correct? Yes, if you come by Calgary, let me know because we can meet up. <laughs> and heck yeah to that. So I saw flights actually for Calgary, roughly like 60 bucks 
each way. So 120 off of Fly Flare. So Fly Airlines, uh, Flare Airline, correction there. And I got super excited about that. So that may be a future intention as well. Mm -hmm. And with, with this piece here, I realized the intention is I want to explore more of Canada. It's a dream of mine to explore more of Canada because it's such a vast, beautiful land. And I said, why wait till I got all the money in the world or I'm, I'm more established in a career or a job? Why not just go now? I have a car. I have friends who are down to go. And I have my adventurous mindset that I will go anywhere, everywhere, because that's where I want to be. And literally, I shared that intention with one of my friends. And he's like, dude, let's go. And now we're literally planning the expenses on a spreadsheet. Wow. <laughs> no, I definitely agree because you don't have to wait until you're rich. You can just do it now. I mean, obviously, budget for your financial means don't like take huge financial risks, but I think yeah. it's about enjoying enjoying life now. So mm. it sounds like you're you're very well connected now. Like you're you're really willing just to approach strangers and start these conversations and you have this mm -hmm. flame ignited for you. But I know it uh, hasn't always been that way for you. Like when you were in university, you had some struggles with trying to fit in and making these connections. So could you share with listeners that aspect of your story? Yeah. And as I do, I want to take a deep breath because that brings me down to memory lane. <laughs> mm -hmm. Woo! I remember in university, especially the second year, I was part of student council. I was part of two to, two to three different clubs, one of them called MedLife, um, and a few different chapters. And I was very well connected to the community at university, especially through the folks that are involved in campus or leadership. And I'm super grateful for the ways I've been part of those communities and connected. And what I think back is the connection, the desire for connection for me always, and then especially was so strong, I did not know how to navigate it mm. in a healthy way. And let me break down what that means. So it's very much this connection piece, this desire for connection is related to emotional expression as well too, what we feel every day. And I remember a lot of days I would walk through the hallway I would either be sad, I would be depressed, I would be either angry or I would be happy or I would be in different feelings. Yet people often, when they said hi to me, they would often see that one form of expression. And that was always the smile because I said to myself, I don't want people to see me sad and, and whatnot. I want them to always see my smile to bring them up. And I'm scared to show them that side. What if they don't like me? What if they don't want to connect anymore? And that was the struggle a little bit back then. And I can definitely go more into it before I do. I wanted to check in. Did you want to ask another question on this topic? Yeah. You had mentioned that you had been experiencing like sadness and depression and you didn't want to show that to others because it might affect how you connect with them. So I guess, yeah, if you could just share more about your journey through depression and any negative self-talk that you had. Yeah. And that's a powerful question. It's, it's a great question to reflect back on the progressive journey I've stepped into now, a much healthier place and no judgment of that previous place, more just reflective. And what I'm stepping in with is that was the situation that was going on back then. And I did not know how to navigate my emotions for seven to eight years from that second year of university to now. And at that time, what I thought would be healthy, and that was the starting, that was the beginning moment where I gave myself permission to seek support and help. I realized things were not really 
really at peace. Like I was not at peace with myself. And there were so many things I was not aware of. There's a lot of pain I was numbing in that moment through food, through drugs, whether it would be alcohol or cannabis, not to extensive like every day or every weekend, yet it was still there, the numbing behavior, or even TV watching or binging on movies, video games, like those behaviors were there. And the whole core pattern was, I just I was scared to feel. I never felt safe I could feel with myself. And I, I didn't see the value in feeling emotion and whatnot. And what began with the action I took was, okay, so I'm super busy with all this student council stuff, connection. I'm actually going to take most of the connection stuff out, replace it with therapy. And I mm-hmm. thought that was healthy at the time. It had its up and down moments from that. So I started therapy, started increasing awareness there, um, started putting myself in more like reflective environments and focusing more on my schoolwork. So I decreased the workload and increased like the awareness experiences. Yet I realized still one thing was missing. I was not allowing myself to connect deeply with others authentically. And I was not connecting myself authentically. So a fast forward of a few years, about a year ago, or more closely, about six months ago, I did a deep dive into my life, into my own inner work, into why has it been eight years and still I'm still having a hard time finding this peace within myself. That wherever I go, whatever job I do, whoever I talk to, I realize within me I have not ignited or stepped into or brought awareness to the peace that's already present and hence the depression sadness and all these emotions were just like constantly coming up and i was always running and avoiding and neglecting them through the numbing behaviors i talked about and the changing moments was i realized again i had to take further immersive action that changed how i did my inner work that me changing jobs or changing places or going to different relationships, me signing up to coaching programs that are 12K or more, yes, it has some momentum. Yes, it can change my life for a few weeks. Yes, it brings a change. Yet again, it all depends on the one person doing inner work. So to clearly put it, this gets into where in August I quit a job. I quit a job where I was making 100K at 25 25 years old, working at the prestigious company of Amazon in a robotic center as an operations manager, leading 200, 250 plus people at a time. Mm -hmm. I'm leading leaders with masters or PhDs in a humbling way. Like I don't have everything figured out, yet I'm still leading as either a facilitator, team leader and whatnot. And when I'm in this role, I realized that even then, after two and a half years of stepping and growing into this career and building myself up, the peace is not there. It's actually worse. And the moments keep amplifying. The weird thing about emotions, not weird, actually remarkable. I noticed whenever I did not respect, honor, listen, and bring awareness deeply to my emotions, they have a funny way of manifesting and create, being created into life. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take a little tangent. Maybe your listeners have watched the show. Have you watched Rick and Morty? I have. <laughs> I'm sure certain, there's some listeners that have as well. Beautiful. So on this topic of emotions manifesting louder and louder and louder when we don't bring attention to it, one of my mentors called this into attention and it was, 
this episode of Rick and Morty, the episode of Mr. Meeseeks. For some reason, when he came present at the dinner table, when he saw uh, the father's name, what is the father's name? Jerry? Jerry. I'm yeah. Sure Jerry. So, okay. So literally Mr. Meeseeks appeared for uh, the whole family. Yet there was, there was one family member he lingered with. The most beautiful was Jerry, the, the hesitant Jerry, the funny Jerry. So for Jerry, Mr. Meeseeks kept being present too because Jerry had this problem with golf. He was looking to learn golf, as, as I'm paraphrasing and recalling from, from that episode. He was looking to learn golf and he really sucked at making the shot for some reason. And the more he was hesitating and thinking about it and avoiding it, the more Mr. Meeseeks started amplifying and multiplying and multiplying and multiplying. It became to a point where Mr. Meeseeks went from like the loving, like Mr. Meeseeks voice to like uh, gun wielding Mr. Meeseeks, holding someone hostage at a kitchen. I, I feel like you remember, remember mm -hmm. this as well. And he's holding a hostage with a gun and Jerry had to make the shot no matter what. It almost became a moment where you got to do it and there's no going back. And I feel very much in my own life and where I've seen in others, emotions have a way of amplifying, amplifying, building up when we don't bring awareness, mindfulness, and presence to them, when we don't go into our body, our soul, and our mindset. It's not just thoughts. It's all the connected. And when Jerry was able to confront that and make the shot finally, Mr. Meeseeks started diminishing. And it was only one Mr. Meeseeks versus like the 20 that were created. And mm -hmm. it's the same idea. When we bring presence and tension to it, then that peace already starts forming because the emotion flows. Emotions want to flow. And mm -hmm. that's why they amplify so that we bring attention to it. And coming back to the Amazon experience, I realized after two and a half years of constant numbing behavior and roller coasters of emotions, going from like a high functioning manager who's like really passionate about engaging, leading a team and building sustainable change mm -hmm. to someone who on the weekend is totally different from that because he feels overwhelmed, super depressed, super down. There's like two different identities. And I did not know how to embrace the identity that was there on the weekend. And the answer was, I was not on purpose. I was not listening in. I was neglecting and avoiding my emotions. Mm -hmm. And that is when I decided to leave my Amazon role after two and a half years of success, after me still being on track for a next level promotion, more career success, more wealth generation. Mm -hmm. And I decided none of that matters when my peace is not present, when I'm not focusing on me and building that peace and giving it out to the world. So then I went from 100K to making zero in a span mm. of a month because I wanted to give myself permission to step into that piece immensely. Mm -hmm. wow. And fast forward six months, I am blessed to be here with you on this podcast, blessed to step into my piece every day, my love. And that is part of the reason why the Ignited Flame is born is because I give permission on that day and many months afterwards to give to that identity. Mm -hmm. What a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing all that. It reminds me, there's a podcast I listened to this past week, and it's Susan David that's talking. Susan David, she's a psychologist and researcher on the concept of emotions. And mm -hmm. one of the sayings she has, which I love, she asks the question, what, what the funk? And <laughs> funk as in like function. 
and she's it, it's a reminder for people's like when these emotions come up you, you ask what the funk <laughs> it's like what is actually the function of these emotions because it's not just mm. things to be repressed because if you're feeling sadness or exhaustion or angry these are signs like it's a signal it's trying to tell you something if you actually listen into that there might be helpful information there instead of just trying to as you put put it like numb these different emotions because it's part of being human (laughs) and I think based on what you said it's like just listening into that is how and letting those emotions flow is ultimately how you're able to find more peace within yourself Mm -hmm. so that's just what it reminds me of powerful and I love how you called in the functionality piece of it because thinking about that I didn't learn that in kindergarten high school in university like Mm -hmm. I came in as an immigrant and even in my own like cultural ethnic country like I don't even know whether they talk about emotion to the scale Mm -hmm. we don't even do it in Canada either to that scale right yeah I guess on that thread I'm curious so could you tell us so you said you're an immigrant where were you from originally like tell people a bit about your background for sure yeah so when I say immigrant I was born in Montreal Mm -hmm. I was born in Canada and within a span of a few weeks to a month, we literally went back to the Middle East with my family, Mm -hmm. with my parents. My two older brothers were already there. They're older by 13 years, okay? I call them the Twin Towers sometimes because like they're literally my two giant elder brothers that I look Mm -hmm. up to. And we went back and from one month old to nine-year-old me, I was pretty much in Iran where after I turned like nine, we came back to Montreal and we were here in Montreal for like, let's say a year. And then from there, we went to Toronto. Mm-hmm. So uh, a little adjustment, I believe Montreal was eight to nine. And then from nine to 10, we started being in Toronto. And then I've been, I've been in Toronto ever since that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious why, I mean, this is a deep question. <laughs> I don't know if you'll be properly able to answer it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on why for some cultures that you mentioned, like for your, for your cultural background, that might be hard to discuss emotions. It's something that people just don't bring up. Yeah. Yeah. And that is a powerful question. And I'm going to answer it as best I can with my own Mm -hmm. empirical experiences, my experiences in university. So with that idea, I mean, I've stepped back into my country five, six times as well, too. In travel, I've, you know, been present with my family and everything. I feel like they're over there. I intuitively see a more collectivistic mindset of relationships. And there's also this like social pressure climate, not social pressure, social thinking, right? Social group thinking. And it's always like, oh, what does the other think of me? So I think that has a play in emotions as well. Mm-hmm. And that has a play, especially in the transparency, vulnerability, and trust of expression that comes from a human being to express their emotions. So let's say I go there as a man, I may be crying or sad. Other mm-hmm. men will say, why are you crying? Why are you sad? Potentially, maybe not everyone. Right. Many, I would imagine, would say, why are you crying? Be a man. Stand up just hide your emotions go somewhere else we don't want to see that act strong and i'm like okay yet these tears actually make me all the better in the sense me embracing them gives me further depth and understanding to all of life and to the pain and sadness that is present 
And with that, I'll move forward with even more willpower, with even more resilience and determination. It will make mm-hmm. me a more wholesome man. Yet I find when I've stepped into those places, maybe folks are not receptive to that. They haven't done their own inner work. The culture is different. The society mindset is different. Mm-hmm. All that has to do um, with the mindset there too. So the environment is a big one, I would say. Yeah, definitely. I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. And on this aspect that you just mentioned of like for men, like we're usually socialized not to express our emotions or it's associated, like it's a sign of weakness if we're crying or that sort of thing. So powerful. (laughs) yeah, on that thread, I know you've participated in a men's retreat before. So could you tell listeners about what that experience was like? Yes. And before I do, I I just had a memory come in. Mm -hmm. And what that was is I want to give a shout out to another participant you led a podcast with, Ahmed Jabber, with his Mm -hmm. 100 People Project. And I want to give him a shout out because he was a previous roommate of mine and a legendary roommate of that. And he inspired me actually to go on to my 3000 engagements because I witnessed Mm -hmm. him in his journey. And the other piece, the men's work, inner work that I'm, I've stepped into for the past few months, a big start of that, the platform even, the ideas, a lot of it was in thanks to Ahmed giving me those ideas that I stepped into and executed. So I just want to express my gratitude and love to him mm-hmm. and how you brought him on and you know this whole like community of connection and yep. connection with life and ourselves too. Yeah. And going into this experience, so who where to begin? Around August, September, uh, Ahmed mentioned there's a group called Sacred Sons. They're LA based. They're a group of men who call themselves brothers, who mainly it's made of only men and they hold space for one another. They provide empathy, they provide love. They provide space to talk about all topics, body, fatherhood, what it's like to go through pain and sadness. And literally Mm -hmm. it's the transparency, trust and intimacy, peace of emotional vulnerability I'm talking to you about. Many men can experience and many men can avoid and neglect. Right. And that wholesome connection piece, I started jumping onto online meetings. I'm like, what is the community about? This sounds so weird. This sounds so different. Oh, mm-hmm. they're based in the US. Okay, online meetings, that's not going to work. No way. I'm not going to have a great time. And I'm like, no, man, you know, you left your job for a reason. You're giving yourself permission to explore, to really tap into your own power and peace. So, what does this mean? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do about it? And I jumped into those online meetings every week, every two weeks. And I'm like, wait, what? Virtually, I still feel so much connection and belongingness and presence. And this actually feels like wholesome healing more than therapy because I've done eight years of therapy and that has its own space of gratitude. Yet this place of connection with men in wholesome connection and transparency, heck yeah to that. So Mm -hmm. I started an online journey. And do you know what happened next? yeah tell me what happened next <laughs> do you, are you ready to find out what happened next <laughs> I, I love how we're like clickbaiting this podcast even though it's not necessary i'm dropping i'm dropping a teaser trailer for the uh-huh. listeners right now <laughs> yeah i love it i love it oh my oh my god okay so 
basically in September, I found out there's actually an in-person event and still COVID's going on mm. and it's still in heightened effect. And I'm like, okay, where is this in-person event? Buffalo, USA. I'm like, I'm right next door. So I started researching. I'm like, wait, I don't have the finances. I'm not working. How am I going to do this? And I'm mm. like, so stuck on the how and the barriers. And I'm like, okay, dude, what's the cost of not doing this? And I'm like, it's big because we're talking emotional well-being, confidence, peace, and purpose. So I'm like, okay, so let's find ways. And then I found out there's a scholarship program. I'm like, okay, shoot your shot. Send the scholarship. Tell them what's going on. Tell them about your inner work journey. And I did. And no emails, no responses. Mm. And then I'm like, okay, why is there no responses? I started looking at different emails. I started messaging other people. I put some resilience determination in there. And finally, I found the, the email that does respond. And they're like, hey, you're sponsored. Just like a week and a half before, you can come out. And I booked the flight to Buffalo. And I stepped into that container, that four days long masculine embodiment experience. It was called the EMX. Mm-hmm. EMX. And it's not a retreat because a retreat is almost like we're going away from life to a different experience. No, this is part of life and it's connected to it. Mm-hmm. And I go into this space and I see all these other men from America. And I was like the only man from Toronto. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm the only explorer from Canada <laughs> represent. <laughs> and I'm there. And Oh my God. On that Thursday around like two, 3 PM after waiting two to three hours with, 20 other men in a circle when we meditated we introduced it icebreakers with one another we got to know one another different age groups from like 25 to 40 to 50 different backgrounds different races ethnicities it was like heck yeah to everybody stepping in here fathers sons and whatnot brothers and some deep topics and deep, deep feelings of people going through loss through death and um it's, it's going to get intense here like people navigating suicide as well too mm-hmm. right so people putting that at the forefront and checking in and and then the facilitators come out out of the doorway all dressed up in these like sacred spiritual wear almost like with staff and with clothes and with beauty and just this aura this mysterious aura and i'm like what is going on here and I'm in awe and gratitude and respect from someone who was like, no way, what is this? To now, yes, wait, there was a whole experience behind this and an intention. And they came out and they literally opened that circle, opened that portal for all of us to experience more awareness, collective check-ins, a more embodied, wholesome masculinity where men hold space for men, where we embrace not only our masculine um, energy, also our feminine energy of being present, attentive, intuitive mm-hmm. with one another. And, and it, it was beautiful. Like there was sound, there was the smell of sage. There was just stoic presence. Yet there was love. Mm-hmm. And there were many activities. And one activity I want to kind of embark with you to show you the depth of intimacy. <sighs> the depth of intimacy it was a four-day experience on the first day right after the portal opened and after we had gathered around the fire you know the men were all led a little bit outside this beautiful land of just greenery park in buffalo and mm-hmm. we went closer to the woods and by the woods the facilitators asked us line up against one another face your brothers look them in the eye 
and hold that gaze with one another. And as we held that gaze, they're like, put your hand on your heart and put mm. your other hand on their heart and look at them in their eyes. And I'm like, what? Look at another man in their eyes? Put my hand on their heart? What is going on, man? I'm so uncomfortable. Or like mm -hmm. this person is so tall or they're a different race. I'm uncomfortable. Like mm -hmm. I have like different energies and past history and air codes, trauma, because I don't want I don't want to use that word anymore. Yet there's power in using that word. There's so many traumas that comes up when I'm becoming more vulnerable and sharing that intimate, close physical distance with a, a man who's let's say taller, bigger than me. And, mm. and, I, and I feel all of it. And yet I look at him and Towards the end of that experience, I just feel love towards this other brother that I just met an hour or two hours ago. And mm -hmm. that was the beginning of the portal. And when I think about the end, I just have gratitude because the amount of work that was done in that four days, I did more embodied, wholesome work than I did in eight years of therapy, bro. Mm -hmm. In eight years of thousands of 20, like $15,000 spent on conferences and therapy and it was one of the most amazing experiences i've ever lived to this day and i think it's a gift to share with anyone so thank you for hearing it out wow it sounds like it's a very transformative experience for you just to have those four days and doing a lot of that embodied wholesome work and yeah, I, I'm, I'm happy that you had that experience there. So coming back from that retreat, and I, I know it's it's not going back into your regular life because the, the those four days were part of your life as well. But I'm curious, after those four days and you went back to, I guess, your more normal routine, how did things change for you? From that point on, I thought my work had been done that somehow I've transformed and navigated all this emotions and you know there's mm -hmm. some mastery yet what I realized was my work and transformation was just the beginning and speaking of transformations one thing I like to call in it wasn't just me going through transformation about 80 to 90 percent of the men there I would say on the higher end were going through their own transformations it was like mm -hmm. very very high effectiveness just witnessing that container of men like that 20 men like 90% of them going through one-on-one -on -one transformation. I'm talking emotions, tears, yelling, anger, just like emotions opening up. And then not only seeing that in the moment, three, four months, like three, four months after Richard, I'm seeing all of them on social media change their life drastically. Mm. Step into businesses they've never stepped into. Change how they're going about their daily life. Their confidence, their peace, their exuberance is different. Their energy, the way they seek support, the way they seek some connection and share new beginnings for them. And I'm like, dude, not only am I seeing this for myself, I get to see it for 20 other beings. I'm, mm -hmm. what, what, what a powerful way to witness transformation. And for me coming back from that container, it was an in progress. It was a new beginning again. It was like an ignite of flame of a journey where I was exploring something different, seeing, wow, there's power in the spiritual community of awareness, of honoring all of our emotions. I never thought about this before, of mm -hmm. holding space for other men, men in connection of other men. And, oh man, oh man, oh man. And I jumped into <laughs> another course by one of the facilitators towards the end of September. So I continued the whole self-investment journey again and again and again, because I realized 
it was helping me. It was benefiting and it was helping the growth I was stepping into. Wow. Yeah, I think it's really powerful where you can see it, that your brothers, your peers also had transformations in their life. And I think for you, the past few months, it's, it's very clear that you have a very different type of energy and mindset when it comes to approaching life. So we've chatted a lot about connections and there's one other story I, wa- I wanted to check in on. There's this one where you got free booster juice when you're coming back oh. to the airport. So I'm just, I'm just very curious on what the story is. <laughs> I had a feeling this story is going to come up. That's why I'm laughing, Richard. Oh man, what a great way to come into it. Wow. I remember being in the airport in Vancouver and and I knew that I had to pass the security checkpoint. And I'm like, whoa, I have this baby lotion of 227 like milliliters. And I'm like, okay, that's not going to pass. So I was thinking of creative ideas because I still had space before my flight, time, time before the flight. And I'm like, okay, what do I do with it? Okay, let's just go up to strangers, man. You like talking to strangers. Let's go up to strangers be like, hey, man, you want baby lotion? I'm like, okay, let's do that. So I go to this guy who's sitting uh, away with his backpack. He looks like a student. I'm like, hey, bro, I'm about to jump onto a flight. I got this baby lotion. I don't want it to go to waste. I really love for someone else to put used to it. It's barely touched. Yeah. And he, lo- he looks at me, just starts laughing. <laughs> and I'm like, oh man, I love your laugh. And he's like, bro, I'm, I'm okay. Cause I got to jump onto a flight too. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. So mm-hmm. then I'm looking around. I'm like, Hey, this booster juice here. Do you think they would want it? He's like, yeah, man, why don't you try I'm like, okay, challenge accepted. I'm like, bro, watch. What if I actually give it away and they accept it? And he's like, hmm. He's like, hmm. This is an actual real story, man. Yeah. So, okay, I'm like, let's go to the booster juice. So I go to the booster juice. This, like, this wonderful, like, wonderful lady who's working there. Just her, like, coordinating, leaving that station there in the airport. And I'm like, hey. I got this baby lotion. I know I got to give it away. I know this is super weird. Um, just hear it out. And would you like it? She's like, hmm, you know what? This is the same lotion I use with my baby. I'm like, no way. How old's your baby? They're like uh-huh. two to three years old. I'm like, no way. That's like the age of my nieces. So we're like, I'm building rapport with her, getting to know her. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, this is actually turning really fun. And she's like, yeah, I'd love to have it. And I'm like, okay, this is really, really, I know, like, you don't have to say yes to this, no obligation. What if I traded this baby lotion for a booster juice? Like, I'm a backpacker, I'm living frugally, yeah. and, you, and I'm wondering whether you'd be open to that. And she's like, you know what, I am, because I get one, like, free drink a day. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, interesting. And she's like... I'm down to give it to you. Like, I want to give it to you. And she, she's like a mom, right? She's older. Yeah. She's a mom. And yet she's like so kind and amazing. And I'm like, are you sure? She's like, yeah, I just had coffee. So I don't want to drink. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. So she's, she's like, which drink do you want? I'm like, are you freaking serious? Like this, the drink is like eight bucks. The baby lotion I bought was $9. I used yeah. up like a good 15% of it. So it's like yeah. literally... This, I'm trading the same amount for the same amount. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just so beautiful. And then I'm like, okay, let me get the spinach drink. Let me get some vitamins. I get the drink. I traded the baby lotion. 
And then I'm drinking this juice, like feeling so grateful. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, universe. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, her. Please bless her tonight. And then I'm going through the security checkpoint. I'm like, ha I'm the man. I'm the man. <laughs> I just, I just yeah. traded baby lotion. And as I'm going through the line, that same guy who saw me earlier, who I went up to, he's right there. I'm like, bro. He's like, hey, man, guess what happened? He's like, you traded the baby <laughs> lotion? I'm like, bro, I got booster juice for the baby lotion. He's like, what? I'm like, what? <laughs> the end, right there. And I'm like, paper clip challenge. I got to do it. Exactly. That's why it was reminding me of like, you could just trade a paper clip all the way until you get a house. <laughs> oh my God. I, I did not think about that at all until I did it. And then just yeah. stepping into it. Because like, even like the smallest things, the smallest moments, the smallest tasks can be the greatest moments of creation, mm. the most spontaneous things. And every genuine interaction, like connection us to in this podcast, or connection to an experience like the booster juice piece, everything can 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 form into something so expansive, and that mm -hmm. is creation of our mindset, of our energy, of our thoughts. And I chose to step into that moment with immense love, playfulness, and an open mindset. And look what it manifested into. Right. Amazing. <laughs> Thank so, you for um, asking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's funny because Mo and I have a mutual friend of, as well, uh, Alif, who I interviewed Alif earlier this week. And yeah. so Alif was like, you got to ask Mo about this story. So that's why I ended up asking. <laughs> oh my God, I'm going to thank him. I love this yeah. story. So on this thread of all these authentic, meaningful connections and how it can transform your life, for listeners that want to get in touch with you, for any number of reasons like where do you want to direct them to yeah for me where i'm most active right now would be instagram at the ignited flame yeah so i would love to receive messages or for people to check out my post and see what resonates with them shoot me a message i would love that and to have more conversations that are inspiring that create more life more connection i would love that and then also i'm on linkedin I'm on LinkedIn, not as active as I am in Instagram, and I'm also creating a Patreon page as a creator. So that's also in the works. Cool. So I'll make sure to link to your Instagram and LinkedIn so listeners can reach out. Thank and you, so Richard. I know we've covered lots of ground. You talked about why you call yourself the Ignited Flame, your whole experience of um, struggling to make connections and find peace with your emotions and turning down this job from Amazon to move on to other things. I'm curious. So do you, what's your final message or takeaway you'd like to say to listeners? I wrote this down. This is important to me. And the message is this. Don't be afraid to be more you. Be more of you in whatever context you're present in. And yet even outside of that context, be more you. Because wherever you are, you belong. And what that means, wherever you are, you belong. We have the chance to authentically embrace all of us, our emotions, our intuitive signs from our body, and really give life to that. And what comes up is, will I be safe when I do that? Will others recognize my significance, that I exist and I matter? Well, my message is you will matter no matter what. You're here for a reason. You will be safe. And when you feel genuinely like it is 
a more correct move and aligned on purpose move to make, do it. And I'm not saying do things that will hurt others or will be inconsiderate of others. What I mean is do things that allow for more authentic, genuine, effortless expression of yourself. And as you step into that, witness as more life, passion, and the ignited flame arises within you, like it did to me. Beautiful. You can even just publish that as a poem, <laughs> the section you just said. So it was such a honor having you on the podcast today and for you to share all your inspirational stories. I'm leaving very, feeling very energized and reflective about my life and being me as well. So thank you for that. My question to you, and thank you for holding so much space for myself yeah. and all your listeners. What is one takeaway you like to walk with today, whether it's from the call or a story that came up, anything, what are you walking away with or stepping out with for yourself? You have turned it back on me. That's great. I love this booster juice story. <laughs> now I'm trying to think like, I mean, I'm already of this mindset, like what are creative ways you can find excuses to connect with people? But I just think that story that you shared really illustrates that. And so the next time I'm in a situation where I think, oh, maybe I'm, there's this problem I want to solve. What's a creative way I can go about solving it? Whether it's like trading, <laughs> trading a bottle of baby lotion for a booster juice instead. I think there's all those opportunities in, in front of me all the time. It just requires me to pay attention. And so I think that's my takeaway that there's all these opportunities. If I pay attention to it, pay attention to myself, and then I can just action on it because why not <laughs> it might work out it might be awkward but it's like it's all part of life and I think this playfulness with it so that's what I'm taking away there's more to myself to pay attention to I love that I love what you talked about right there and with that uh, with that deep gratitude to you Richard thank you thank you thank you thank you thanks so much for listening to the podcast Remember to check out the show notes of the episode where you can find a link to my website, excusestoconnect.com. There, you can check out the other initiatives that I'm working on. The intro and outro music were written by Megan Rennie. You can check out her Instagram and SoundCloud in the show notes. There are also links to leave a voice message, as I'd love to hear from listeners. You can leave a comment or ask a question that might be featured in a future episode. Lastly, there's a link to buy me a coffee. This is a website that supports content creators where you can donate some money on a one-time or monthly basis. If you love what I'm doing and want to support, you can buy me a metaphorical coffee. Finding excuses to connect is what I love to do, what I'm good at, and what I think the world needs more of. Consider sharing this podcast with anyone who might benefit from it. I hope you have a wonderful day and make some new connections. After all, you never know how any connection can transform your life.